what I be supposed to feel like on the track, yo. There's a new queen in this game. She go by the name. Exactly. Miracle trigger on the stack and casting it. Just like time St. Catherine's happening. Five, 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 fling, think I flash it in. Trying for the truth, we both voracious. Oops, my B, I meant voracious. Honestly, my dexpedacious. My miracles are so salacious. Get your heart in public, ostentatious. 40K, that's Warhammer. In the church of force of fill the clamor for his necklace. Cause they're so enamored. Cause it mashes like the princess bangers. I correctly cast predict a plan to kind of balance all your tricks you jammed. Determinus, your boy, your lands are stranded. All for your face and then I'll snap a candid. Presidium protective. That's St. Catherine's flavor feature Shuffle six cards right underneath her She's Ethereum, I'm Tez the Seeker I'm Botticelli, she's Primavera I'm Anais, she's Falibagera I'm Renoir, she's Grenoblera I'm Matisse, she's Bernal de Vivre I'm Goya, she's Tormachia I'm Van Gogh, she's Mona Lisa I'm Rembrandt, she's the Thandavera I'm Dukes on Twitch, she's the Pain Slayer Warhammer, those were art bars Like an artist, I draw cards Illustrator, I'm illustrious I'm a writer, here's a plot twist Miracle St. Catherine Like a javelin to the abdomen And the top She's a deadly sin, she'll string you out like a violin She's sticky like a goblin on the battlefield She's residing in, no denying it or defying it Time to resign the game and sign the slip She'll beat you down with a cape and shield She'll steal your life and then make you feel So sad and lonely and so defeated You'll beg for mercy, wish you'd concede it But you had your chance, that's in the past This game was over when it came to pass Your fate was sealed right from the start When I miracle this work of art Miracle St. Catherine By design she's so sublime Turning water into wine She overhauled the archetype haters try to deny the hype but triumph shrugs it off like she's gripped tonight and you're superman with your stupid plan she'll make you resign like you're vince mcmahon she'll make you tap with a sharpshooter best there was best there is so while you're a loser rock bottom you straight through the basement she'll stone cold stun you to your grave since she's mtg's new undertaker tombstone you that's a neck breaker triumphs the truth is an understatement she saw the flare it's second nature she's triple h she's taking over she's dean malenko with the four leaf clover she's bold weird intimidator and you're a coward who can't block her either she's future sight um Unprecedented, you can call it Garrett, cause she's relentless. She'll break your teeth, send you to the dentist. You're a partisan, she's an independent. A triumph is a funeral, a procession so beautiful. A lingo's a little unusual, but I'll still outplay you inscrutable. Magic, the gathering is not magic. St. Catherine, the red zones, a labyrinth for your creatures. Inadequate. Miracle St. Catherine, like a javelin to the abdomen and the top sedan. She's a deadly sin, she'll string you out like a violin. She's sticky like a goblin on the battlefield. She's residing in, no denying it or defying it. Time to resign the game and sign the slip. She'll beat you down with a cape and shield. She'll steal your life and then make you feel so sad and lonely and so defeated. You'll beg for mercy, wish you'd concede it, but you had your chance. That's in the past. This game was over when it came to pass. Your fate was sealed right from the start when I miracle this work of art. There's a new queen in this game. She go by the name. What it do? Hello and welcome to Eternal Dirtles. I'm your host, Zach Clark, and with me as always, Phil Blackman. Phil, how's it going, man? Yo, what's up, Zach? Dude, I have no money. What do I do? Uh, great question. Uh, we've got some budget episodes coming up for uh, for people with no money. You're, the very first thing you should do is go to moxfield.com and you'll be able to look at your budget for your deck as you're uh, building your deck, which is what we've done here. We've got a couple of decks that uh, that we're listing. Uh, this time we're going to talk about Artifacts Blue, 8 Cast, and some, some sort of variants around that. But uh, I think for all these episodes, we kind of have a through line and that's like, you got to get your staples, right? And once you have your staples, then you can sort of build, you know, build decks 
around those staples. With this episode, I think the staples we're going to be talking about are like Ancient Tomb. You got to get your Ancient Tombs. Luckily, that, that is a card that's not on the reserve list, so it'll be reprinted. And yeah, so there's... as soon as they reprint Ancient Tomb, which will happen eventually, snag them up. They've reprinted Ancient Tomb a couple of times. I mean, hopefully what this we'll, we'll go through a couple of deck lists and for players that are that are listening to us, somehow if you found us and you're like, how do I get into Legacy? Hopefully this will be a nice intro episode for you. For people that are Legacy aficionados, I mean, the overhaul of the format, like the churn of the format, Something that's happened recently is there's been like the discussion that Ancient Tomb is actually the most powerful card in the format over over Brainstorm as the pillars shift because more powerful mm-hmm. tools come in. You know, Wet Initiative is the most popular deck in the format now. It's the most, it's like the winningest deck in the format now. So it's like, is Ancient Tomb actually the new backbone of powerful legacy decks? And there's a swath of legacy decks that use it in conjunction with things like Urza Saga and Chalice of the Void and yada, yada, yada. Hopefully this will be a nice little refresher for the ingratiated legacy folks as to like recognizing which cards are the actual pillars of decks. The decks that use the same pillars of a format are susceptible to the same kind of cards because they use similar tools. So it's always helpful for me when I'm trying to figure out like sideboard planning, like how am I actually figuring out sideboard planning? Unless I'm specifically trying to target something very minute, like very micro-targeted, like a particular card. If I'm not doing that, I'll usually look at my sideboard mapping and think of it how I'm trying to attack the pillars of the format. So I'll be like, these cards are generically good against Ancient Tomb decks because of the tools that they usually bring in. These are the cards that are good against the Blue Cantrip style decks that are looking to go a little bit longer. These are good against the Green Sun Zenith decks, which there's a, a, a bunch of that are usually it's either elves or uh, some type of land focused deck that revolves around Green Sun Zenith. Graveyard based decks, right? And like the engines that come out of the graveyard, but usually those are also like Mox Diamond decks or similar. <laughs> things like that so we'll we'll, we'll go through a bunch of them to start off with one of the great things about playing a deck that that needs ancient tomb is that you're not playing brainstorm ponder and and those cantrips so you're kind of moving away from from those and that also often means that you're not playing dual lands and fetch lands which means that you're going to get to cut costs right there you don't have to spend money on four sculpting tarns and four volcanic islands and look at that We've just saved you $10,000, everyone. Yeah, luckily, the, for the so Ancient Tomb's not reserved list. So there are some lists that play yeah. soul lands that are on some number of City of Traders. Like, excuse well, me, the initiative the deck right we, now is that, on four. That you've, uh, and it's uh, Super Saiyan form. It's fully it's fully unbudgeted form. It does play one City of Traders. Yeah, I was playing one City of Traders. So we'll, we'll, we'll dive into it. The first thing that we'll, we'll talk about that, that as a budget list that's actually competitive is all of the variants of 8-cast. Eight 8-cast eight is in the game for a little while now. Like, ever since it got Kappa Cannoneer at the early part of 2022, it's been a pretty dominant deck it's had uh, a bunch of top showings it's good again it's usually pretty good against elver it's soft to things like meltdown you know like it's a it's an artifact based affinity deck right it's going to have those kinds of weaknesses the thing is though is that the deck kind of adopted its form as eight cast and then never really evolved like it the got tapa cannon yeah. and then just didn't and, and you've been playing eight cast for what a year now right almost a year yeah yeah as I, as we were looking at these types of lists and where they kind of situate the format has shifted dramatically but a cast for some reason has just stayed as the deck that it is strong without, like blue man without, without really ever <laughs> moving too many of its tools yeah. and once i was i approached it as somebody who hadn't like you know i knew what a cast was i knew like the play patterns of it but i had never really devoted too much thought into like how do we improve this deck like are there different ways that we can position this deck once i got into it i was like okay there's very clearly a shell here right you have the eight baubles as your your engine 
you have Emery, which is just Library of Alexandria and Legacy with those baubles, yep. or with Lotus Petal and the <clears throat> Birds of Paradise. Like it is your turn one card that does a whole bunch of flexible things with your shell that offers you a lot of power and a lot of flexibility. But the top end, otherwise, like the draw twos, the size, the kappas, all of those numbers were always in flux. Like some people weren't playing all eight, all, all eight, eight casts. Some people were playing six to seven in combinations of the two. Some people weren't playing all four Kappa Cannoneer. Some were. Some people ne weren't ma maxing out on size. Some were on two to three Psy. There, there was a couple of variations in numbers. And when I see variations in numbers like that, I go, there's not a stock build. Like when you look at Delver, that shit is stock across Pretty the much, board. Pretty much, yeah. It's, it's the same It's the same 50, 52 cards, I would say. In almost that, every more Delver, than that. Delver list, blue, red Delver list. And then there's, I, I would, you know. I would so, argue that it's the same 70. play Iconoclast over, you know, another threat. Like it varies very minorly, even when they do vary the cards. It's like, here's another win condition that's two mana. It's it, it's one of it's one of those things. So they don't do do that that much where they change stuff. The list that we're going to talk about is one that I played on 90s MTG. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll play a little bit more of it because I saw that people yeah. were interested in it. But it, uh, essentially, it looked at what is the what is that shell? What is the engine that's going on in eight cast? And it's it's the zero mana artifacts. Yeah. If you can exploit the zero mana artifacts in Urza Saga, which is the, like the backbone of the deck, Urza Saga is its own pillar, by the way. It's like anytime you're playing Ancient Tomb, you're probably playing Urza Saga unless you're doing something that is that ends the game faster. So for example, yeah. uh, show and tell. Initiative, initiative right now, <laughs> yeah. or show and tell. Yeah, those decks, they're trying to end the game before you would even finish tutoring off your Urza Saga, right? So you don't need it. Before we get too far in, speaking of exploiting, uh, Phil, I wanted to make sure that people knew that, one, to comment, like, and subscribe. You know, what are wow, your comment, choice like, budget decks? Wow. Put your put your list below, because I always want to look at these budget lists and kind of share them with the community. Uh, it's a great way to get people into the, into the format, too. But also, anytime you uh, comment, we uh, add your name to a list. And uh, we draw a card out of the uh, MTG uh, Advent Calendar, uh, the Countdown Calendar that we won at uh, Eternal Weekend. And so uh, we have we give out one to our Patreon supporters, and we give out one to our commenters. So these two are going. We've got uh, looks like 2010 and 1999 uh, went out this week. So uh, definitely comment, subscribe, like all that stuff. But commenting is what gets you on this. Uh, subscribing to our Patreon also gets you on this. You can subscribe for as low as a buck. All that goes into helping me and Phil continue making this podcast on a pretty regular basis. And that's kind of that's kind of it. The other thing I. I'd want to t tell you about is to go to moxfield.com and check out these deck lists that we have. The deck lists are below. Also, you can follow Phil, myself, and the Eternal Dirtles podcast on moxfield.com. Moxfield is a great deck building website, and you should be using it to build your decks on your phone, to build your decks on your PC, on your Mac. You can build for any format. And it's just, it's just all, all together. It's one of the best deck building websites on the internet and, uh, and they sponsor the cast. So, you know, go and check it out. It also lets you choose your printing. And I, 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 all of my decks are in the most expensive possible <laughs> printings, by the way. When, when my Phil sent me his, his Tamishi list, I was like, oh yeah, it's just a budget $12,000 deck. Cause he's like, yeah, yeah I'll play a beta, gotta, beta Tundras in here. Yeah. You gotta get, <laughs> you gotta get all of the most expensive versions yeah. in your Moxfield since you're not going to do that in person. One of the so. beautiful things about, about, uh, building a deck on Moxfield is there's actually a switch printings button and it says use cheapest. It'll find the cheapest version of that card and switch it to that printing. So you'll know you'll have a very obvious reflection of what is the lowest you can buy that deck for. Pretty, uh, pretty cool tool. Very useful tool. So let's right, so talk diving about back this in. Tamishi 
Tamishi deck. Let's dive. Let's dive into the Tamishi deck after everybody comments what what their favorite budget deck is. So here's so, the thing. Here's the thing that I want to highlight about this particular Tameshi deck, which is just an example. Like, don't 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 read too far into the fact that we're going off of this one. This is just an example of things that you can use to also find additional ways that to potentially budget your deck while still making it competitive. Which is yeah. just so being able to at analyze your, yeah, at your list before I made the changes, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. for example, th this list it it has cut all of the thought cast and it is all of the the cast part of the deck the draw twos the generic draw twos gone this is eight but uh, the uh, it, it is maxed out on kappa cannoneers and it is maxed out on tameshis yep and, we're, the, and, and, and we've uh, thrown out the uh chalice of the voids in in, in your list thrown out the well. chalice of the voids we are not interested in chalice in Which, an, in an initiative meta i think i think that yeah i think that that's worth mentioning is chalice is still pretty good but the more ancient tomb decks you see the less good chalice becomes because what are you gonna do put a chalice on you know four you know or a chalice on eight you know like if you to, stop, to stop some of these cards before when you would run into a format where if the two top top decks let's say are four color control and delver and you're like okay these are both cantrip decks now now by the way like similar to how we're talking about how eight cast in in my view is an ancient tomb urza saga bobble deck like that is the shell of the deck that's where yeah. if you're going to attack the deck you want to attack that part of the deck similar to the delver and four color decks people would use chalice to cut off the fact that they are an eight cantrip deck they're brainstorm ponder plus you know source of pleasures or lightning bolts or whatever so they're 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 impactful stuff that like gets them going is on one and so you would go and just play your chalice in the dark on one assuming that it's going to hit the majority of the top decks in the format whereas now that initiative is one of the top decks in the format you can't reliably you, you can't go into an event thinking okay i'm going to slam this chalice on one in the blind against uh, uh in, in a meta where 30 percent of the field is initiative you just can't yeah. you can't do that and expect to reasonably do well unless you're you're winning matchup lottery which is like at that point you're gambling right yeah so it all, i mean it, it also to... helps that if if your entire plan isn't slam chalice like that's why i think eight cast can get away with original eight cast can get away with continuing to play chalice because they are actually using that chalice for other things to tap for uh kappa cannoneer and stuff like that like they're getting they're they're getting use out of it in other ways so so one thing that has been that has been very noticeable over the last couple of years in terms of printings is that they've been extremely favorable for ancient tomb so if we go if we look back before eight cast fully came into its own and became and became a blue chalice deck and it you know it used to be urza echo and we'll, we'll talk about that uh and then when initiative came in and then you know white ancient tomb decks were starting to to take over it was red stompy was the go-to ancient tomb chalice yeah. deck it was red stompy for a long time yes and the history of People red stompy is pretty long stuff, man it's been it's been a long time for red stompy and a lot of the time the joke was always that when it comes to ancient tomb chalice decks you can play whatever you want like yeah, the, you the, can win the with a ham end, sandwich the, yeah. the, the, the top end after you set your lock piece of you know your trinosphere or your chalice or whatever after you went ancient tomb your plus moon, you yeah. know it's be, essentially like those types of decks ancient tomb just it wants to skip the development stage of the of the game so in other games where other people are trying to you know develop their mana base or develop their positioning so that they can deploy their threats comfortably the ancient tomb decks just skip that first part of the game they're looking to get past that early development part of the game so that you don't get to so the whole point of those decks was to stop your opponent's development because they got to fight on the axis of not needing the development because they were looking to skip over the first uh the, the ones and twos on their curve yep. so if you could establish that if you could do that it never 
never fucking mattered what your top end was. You could play goblins, you could play planeswalkers, you could play random nonsense. It literally did not matter. And every time there, there would be a new list, it's like, oh, look at this cool new thing. And then you'd be like, oh, it's just an ancient tomb chalice deck. It's whatever on top. It never yeah, I mean, mattered. How many what was times did we set review? And I'm like, this could go in uh, into a Blood Moon deck. Go in, you know, go like, in anything. It doesn't yeah. matter. Literally, it wouldn't matter what your other thing was. You had already won the game by that point, and you just needed something to close it. Yeah. So the the actual way to attack the deck wasn't what was on the top end. You had to shut off the stop the stuff that was effectively winning the game, which was the Ancient Tomb prison par portion of the deck. The thing is, is that the printings in recent years for Ancient Tomb decks have gotten so powerful that now all of the cards are good. It doesn't like you don't have to play the bad cards on top of the stacks pieces because you're not playing the good cards that the stack pieces are looking to fight. Now you can just skip over that stuff and go into way more powerful effects. All of the cards in, in Initiative Stompy are good. All of the cards in Red Stompy before Initiative got in became good. They're all they're all banger cards now. You never like before you were playing with Chafe. Now you're playing with bangers, and because of that, the trajectory yeah. of uh, of Ancient Tomb's power level has significantly increased over that time. So if anybody's looking to get into a deck, the the foundation of those decks are Ancient Tomb. So yeah. it's like if you invest in your Ancient Tombs first, it will open up a wide variety of options for you because. All of those options are now viable because the power creep has been so steep. But and the thing is that they all come back the to the foundation. And you're doing it for the cost of what one dual land is. That's and that's budget. You know, like being able to be like, well, instead of buying like one tropical island or one tundra or one volcanic island, I'll buy four ancient tombs and I'll just play that deck. And then and then suddenly you've you've basically cut like a thousand dollar, you know, two thousand dollars from your deck. Yeah, that that is one example of a pillar of the format. So in this particular case with Tameshi. I'm thinking, okay, what are the what are the powerful parts of this deck? It's the baubles. As I played eight cast, I recognized, and, and tell me if you've recognized the same thing, because you have a lot more experience with eight cast than I do. When I played eight cast, I realized the most powerful thing that you can be doing is that you're cheating on mana with your card draw through the baubles. And then because Emery comes down on your turn one, and it's what you would like to do every single game, regardless of who you're playing against, I'm like, this is our engine. And Ancient Tomb lets us uh, further push that tempo, if you will, of not spending mana on effects. I don't want to counter what you're saying, but I will say that that especially because we're talking about this Tameshi list, actually the most powerful thing you can do, Phil, is make constructs with your Urza Saga. Sure. So yes, the Urza Saga shell alongside Ancient Tomb, the fact that Urza Saga gets powered up because you're playing all those baubles, that is your that is your core. Everything else is fluff. And so I was looking and I was thinking the only card that I'd be unwilling to cut from this shell outside of the baubles, the Urza Saga and the and the Ancient Tombs is specifically Emery. And then your zero mana mox effects, right? Your mox opals that you get off of your Urza Saga. But those are the cards that that I'm like, this is the backbone of the deck. It's actually not that, like, it seems like ACAST doesn't have a lot of space because you have to play the ACAST. And I think that's where, when you look at deck lists, fuck the naming of deck lists. They are so misleading. The deck is not an eight cast deck. The deck, the deck's power mean? does not, the, the fact that it has four thought cast and four thought monitor, that's not the powerful part of the deck. Oh yeah, that's the payoff. Yeah. And the deck is named after the payoff, not what's actually powerful, which is the engine. Really, this should be like you said, eight bauble. Like it should be called a bauble, or you know, or something along those lines. That that would be more informative as to what the deck is. So when I recognized that Emery was the most powerful thing to be doing, I was like, I just want more Emerys. And the closest thing to an additional Emery is Tameshi. And so I added Tameshi to the deck. Yeah. And suddenly now, when I'm playing the deck and people are like, um, are, are have to fight over the Emery, it's like, well, now I have eight Emerys. I'm way more stacked on Emerys. So yeah. now I get to do this. The upside of playing the more expensive version of Emery, which is Tameshi, is that Tameshi can rebuy your Urza Saga out of the yard. Urza yeah, that's Saga. Big. That's so huge. Here, here, here's, a, here's a unique thing about Urza Saga and why it was a pillar immediately when it came into the format, even though, like, beyond the fact 
that it is just an egregious design that makes you know 60 power off uh, of for, for for free and tutor something like yeah. the card's egregious but <laughs> the the other unique thing that it has it, it is it is unique in magic in that is the only zero mana enchantment that exists also yes 30 years the only zero mana enchantment and that can be exploited and and certainly, that. I mean, in two ways, specifically with Tameshi, being able to get it back from the graveyard is great, but even bouncing it back to your hand with, with the trigger uh, on the, it's, you can't it's do it with the, the trigger the on the payment. stack, activate as a sorcery, activate yeah, as a sorcery, that, you can't bounce but it that's back. still pretty good. Like, even if you're you, just doing that every, every other turn to like make another oh, construct, it's still yeah, pretty good. So, yeah. Well, you can't, you can't bounce it with the third lore trigger on the stack. Of you course. can make a construct with two, bounce it and then replay it. That is something yeah. that you can do. And you draw a card in the process. The, the, the trick though, is that there are, there are synergies to this deck that when you look at new cards or cards that could fit into certain homes and you start to see the synergies that work, you're looking for the synergies that often will go with your engine pieces, with the things that make the deck. So the deck revolves around Bobbles, Urza Saga, and Ancient Tombs. Emery is exacerbating the power of those cards. And then Tameshi further exacerbates the power of those cards, including with the Emery. So you can flip over, like if you mill your Urza Saga off your Emery, that sucks. That's one less Urza Saga that you have. But that's actually prime positioning for where Tameshi wants your Urza Saga. Because if you pick up a land and then replay and then pl pull the Urza Saga out of your yard, you draw a card and you're at mana parity. Picked up the land, but then put another one back into play. And now yep. you're just going to be threatening constructs for the rest of the game until they remove it. And now you're fighting on two axes, right? It's it, the, the reason that Urza Saga is so good is that it gave all of these artifact decks a different axis of attack than like looking for Pain or Grindstone or looking for whatever. Instead of fighting on the, that one axis where your opponent could disrupt it, now they have to deal with this massive beatdown plan while you're also doing this other thing. It's an incredible card for misdirection. It, it is what is leveled up a bunch of these decks like painter got leveled up significantly because now it has this insane beatdown plan for free added in and now phil i want to talk about some of the some of the choices that are different than eight cast that are that are in this deck one of them being thran turbine yeah so thran turbine is a one of for those who don't know it's a one mana artifact that uh says at the beginning of your upkeep add two mana to your mana pool you can't use it to cast spells so what you can do is you can use it to make constructs off your urza saga yep. you can use it to activate your currency converter which is another tutor piece that you just get to have have for free and the the trick though is that was after some testing what i recognized is that I would put enough Urza Sagas into play that I would be in positions oftentimes where I wouldn't have. You this, didn't, this didn't have beyond. enough mana goes, to activate the, them all, right? For, for, what it, for what it's worth, this goes beyond into like, you know, deck building and, and, and discovering this as I was brewing this particular kind of deck that, you know, as other people find new tools for new decks as they're brewing, which is, if this is a great time to brew, by the way, because the format is solved. The format is two decks. The format is initiative and Delver. And yeah. if you can go into a, in a, into an event and expect that 60% of the time you're going to be playing one of two decks, that means that if you're, if you position a brew, that is excellent against those two decks you're going to be optimizing your chances to like face your best matchups which is excellent time to brew it's really difficult to brew in a in a wide open metagame because you don't know what you're playing against and your brew in that regard has to be proactive where now you can brew with all kinds of builds because as long as you have you're strong against the two top decks if you're soft to the other stuff you're you're, you're taking that you're taking the calculated risk but as a smarter calculated risk because the odds are in your favor anyway, one of the, going one back of the to beauties this of this deck actually is that it does have a good game against initiative because of kappa cannoneer and also with eight cast psi being able to block and attack with those with those uh, constructs, you can take the initiative from them. So another example of the card where every time I was looking at eight casts and I saw that they weren't playing, they were playing two kappa or three kappa. I'm going, what is going on? It's, it's a great the magic shell, card. The shell is built to maximize the fact that Canna Cappaneer is broken. Like exactly. Canna Cappa Cannoneer is broken because of the shell. Like those are the exact cards that you want 
when you're when you're building this kind of deck like i get that the affinity cards say affinity on them but like drawing two cards is nowhere near as powerful as killing your opponent in a turn and a half kappa cannoneer is way more is way more busted than those other cards and there's no reason that we shouldn't be maximizing that card so it is an easy four of and again it's another thing where it similar to how kappa cannoneer works with emery and all of the bubbles emery puts contracts uh, artifacts into play which makes it unblockable and kills your opponent faster tameshi turbocharges that right tameshi you can only use as a sorcery and you only draw once per turn off of its effect but you can use its effect as many times as you want in a turn so if you have four lands in play that you've been picking up because you know you milled your seed of the cyanide so you got to pick up a land and put that land back into play and then play your land that's a rampant growth and as yep. you have more lands in play once your kappa cannoneer has stuck you can storm out you can just use your tameshi to pick up lands to put artifacts into play pump yep. your kappa cannoneer and then you know it comes in as a five five you could hit for 11 on the following turn you know you can even by do just that play, with, by playing your bubbles uh yeah you can basically do that with like a lotus petal or if you have a Mox Opal in play already, you can basically use Tameshi to continue to put the Mox Opal into play, right? What you can do with Tameshi, which is a really cool trick, is you can sack your Lotus Petal for white. Mm -hmm. It's in the graveyard. Then activate Tameshi, bouncing your land, picking up that same Lotus Petal. Yeah, so, so, it's so just if free. you have lethal on the board with like a couple activations and you just need the uh, enough mana to kill your opponent, you can do that with Tameshi. You just yeah, need that number of lands, right? To reiterate, this isn't just an, uh, an episode where we're jerking off a new card. Like this yeah. is... A, a, a card that is is has gone under the radar that works with the inherently powerful shell that's already been proven, which is yeah. is distinct. We're highlighting Tameshi because it's a it's a prime example that I've been working with, but it's not the only one. There are there are tools for other decks to do similar things. Another uh, another example, just a quick side tangent. Another example of this is the the Fiend Artisan decks that like moved away from the combo part of okay. Elves to play Fiend Artisan yeah, yeah. for a while. Elves recently has moved towards combo because they just need to go under initiative and they want to be faster. And yeah. so it, like we've moved back towards Nettle Techno. But for a while, when the deck was playing for Fiend Artisan, it started out as one of, it started out as a two of but the actual the, like the pillar of that deck was green sun zenith right if you could have eight green sun zenith fucking great that's where that it, and it's it's similar space right all of the all of the effects that are powerful in in the fact that you have this toolbox like all of that toolbox is made more powerful if you have more ways to dig into that toolbox and fiend artisan just being green sun zenith on a stick makes total sense from the deck building perspective of how it eventually got to i just want more of this card yeah right? okay i mean go, going back to in, any in any good like deck deck building like process you quickly realize like what the best card in a situation is like i did that with vintage when i realized that like i just want to be playing four collector ulfs you know like i was playing two for a while and i switched to four and i was like this is every time this card comes down i win games you get to a point where you're just like you just realize that like if this is what you want to be doing you need to play the full the full compact of them and that just goes back to like what's your plan and any yeah. anytime somebody's like my plan is you know i want to bury my opponent in cards with all these thought casts like no you fucking don't you want to play your bubbles proactively and you want to like accelerate onto the board and then you're burying your opponent you know like that's the engine the engine is not your payoffs the engine is your engine it's the the, the argument anytime somebody's like do we ban the payoff or do we ban the enablers when you look at initiative right now yeah the initiative cards are too powerful you know why they're too powerful because fucking ancient tomb exists that's why they're powerful the yeah. fast mana exists the yep. cards themselves if they were actually coming down on the turn that they're supposed to come down are they powerful yeah. in 1v1 if, if yes you obviously cast a kappa cannoneer on turn six it would be fine <laughs> if you if you cash if you cast any of your initiative creatures on turn three or four as they're supposed oh, to yeah. come down not not turn one on the play they would they be powerful yes the initiative is still insanely powerful would yeah. it be broken calling for potential bans no i don't think so 
if you have time to develop, then no. The whole point is that uh, that Urza, like Ancient Tomb is skipping over the development portion of the game. Like yeah. the fact that initiative hits so hard and so fast is because against the decks that need the time to develop, they are not given that luxury. So, and therefore the format feels way faster. And it's not that it's faster, it's skipping the early game. To, this is the all to say that if you have the Ancient Tombs and the Urza sagas, right? The yep. the couple hundred across the table that, that that's gonna that's gonna cost you. Mishra's Bobble just got reprinted. It's now like quarters. Yeah. Same thing with same thing with Urza's Bobbles. Like Urza's a couple bobbles bucks. Are like seven bucks. Cool. Your Emery's have been reprinted into the ground. They're like two bucks. Tameshi is literally like fifty cents. Whatever. Yeah, it's not even. Kappa yeah. Cannoneers. Kappa Cannoneers fell off. Like they're like six seven bucks. And you don't even need necessarily those cards. You can look into other things that 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 press yeah. the the advantage of the shell. But once you have the shell. That gives you a little bit more freedom in terms of figuring out what will work within your budget to find cards while still being competitive. Once you have those pillars, you don't need to you don't need to feel hamstringed by your wallet because there are enough tools in the format now to be playing decks that aren't you know the have to have four underground sea doomsday decks to to play in the space yeah. of competitively viable decks. That's, That's good. good. For the format. That's a great thing you know? for the format. You know. So I, I took your I took your deck. Obviously, we we removed the sideboard because sideboards shouldn't count towards the budget. Like that's something you're going to have to make a decision for yourself. And also that just adds sort of an arbitrary amount of money to the end of, to the end of your cost. So I took your, uh, your budget list, your budget list at $13,000 and I moved it down to $900, $917. Now I made oh, yeah. some and concessions. So I, I want you to kind of tell me how, how bad you feel about these concessions if you if you are on a budget. If you look in the in our budget list here, what I did is I added considering to all the cards that I removed. So they're all they're all on the bottom. You can still see them. And I'll tell you what I changed. So I added Ancient Den to, to the deck to and I removed the uh Tundra and a couple of city traders uh, the city traders and a couple ancient tombs, just because that's a lot of money to start out with. And this kind of gives you a chance to get a feel for the deck. And Ancient ancient Den doesn't cost anything. I, I would steer towards literally cut everything else before the shell. Yes. Right? Yes. Yes. So I 100% like, agree. If, if you can, regard, if you I, already have the Ancient Tombs, play them. Like I see you 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 swapped like Force of Wills for Force of Negations to like bring that money down. Yeah, Force it's, of Wills it's, getting that's another, not great, but it is what you Force, know. But Force of Will is getting another reprint soon. So I imagine that that will also Hopefully, bring yes, the, thing, yeah. the, the thing a little bit down. But it's in the similar space. Like I would cut literally anything else before I cut the ancient tombs from a deck like this. I, I do right? agree so, with you. So like, even if you had to play, even if you played a deck like this, force of willless, just yeah. without forces, Which I, I still think, think that that would do. still be better. Yeah. I think that that would be better than uh, cutting any of the ancient tombs for the deck. And part of that is that there are tools in this, that, that there, there is no trade-off for cutting the shells, right? So if you cut part of the shell, you're not gaining anything other than hindering yourself. So if you we, cut ancient tombs, you're only hindering the deck in a meaningful way. If you yeah. cut anything else from the deck, like let's say you cut force of wills, right? Like egregious, how could you cut force of wills from a thing? You're a proactive deck, right? There are other tools that exactly. you can use to interact with the opponents it doesn't like forcible is good but it's not mandatory the same way that something like ancient tomb for a deck like this is so if you were to cut the force of wills and think okay i have and this is a the perfect example zach you're like i have the ancient tombs i have the baubles i have the moxin i have everything that i need to to to, to for the shell of this eight cast variant to work but i can't afford the force of wills what do i do there are so many options available to you in other targets for urza saga or other pieces of interaction that you can use over force of will to target the metagame in meaningful ways that you can use those to still be competitively viable until you hit the force of wills because force of will isn't good against everything there are yeah. there are going to be games where you board force of wills out like do you want force of wills against delver when they're bringing on all the red brass probably not similar things like that so uh for example this deck in particular 
as a, a means of interaction that I, I tested was repeal. I was like, oh, th in this format where everybody's on Chrome Moxin and shit, bouncing your Chrome Mox with a repeal is fucking great. You know what else is really good with repeal? Temeshi, which we brought in. Temeshi with repeal is just gush on a Mox, right? You pick up your Mox, you draw a card, you play the Mox, it costs you no mana, you've drawn two cards because repeal drew your card, Temeshi drew your card, and you didn't spend any mana. The other side of it too is that repeal with your with your zero mana artifacts works with your Kappa Cannon here. You can storm out a little bit faster. Repeal bounces any of the shit that would otherwise stop you from doing your thing. Like you were talking about Collector Roof. I have four main deck repeal. I'll bounce that, storm out, go ahead, play your thing. I've already gotten underneath it, right? There there are options where it's like, is repeal the best thing? Probably not. Like but there, maybe there's things that I wasn't thinking of, but there's space to interact with your opponent. Like the, 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 the choice of interaction pieces, the interaction pieces in Legacy will never be the foundation of a deck because the interaction pieces changes based on the meta where the foundation of your deck doesn't change. What your deck does is what your deck does. So Phil, I made an adjustment with, with what you had, with what you said in mind. So I added the the four ancient tombs back to the back to the budget list. I removed the uh, force of negations and I added for thought casts. I get that this is with a constraint, like this is with a budgetary yeah. constraint. But I think that this is where when looking at a creative way around your wallet for yeah. decks that are still competitive, this is a deck that if somebody showed this to me, I'd be like, oh, this is a cool eight cast variant and it wins a tournament. You know what I mean? Like, it would not surprise me because I'm seeing that all of the powerful parts of the deck are still intact. You know yeah. what I mean? When it comes to brewing new lists or, or, or attacking a format, this is how you can do it without feeling limited by your budget, but doing it in a way that is still smart without hindering the what is powerful and, and viable in Legacy. You well, know? I think... Like, I think I, like the, how, how smart is it? Is your, if you're thinking like, okay, if I don't have Force Will to protect my threats as they come down and I replace those forces with Thoughtcast to power through their counter magic, yeah, like that's, exactly. just a, that, that's a clever innovation that theoretically will work against the matchups that you would be looking to target with, right? It's clever. Yeah. So in doing that, the only other like real real change is like Mox Opals are expensive. I don't suggest people go and buy, buy like multiple Mox Ambers. They're not great. But if you happen to have some lying around, they switch somewhat in this deck so that you can, that you can still get, you need to have at least one Mox Opal because you need to be able to get it with your uh, Urza Saga if you need it and it has to work. But you could play Mox Amber a as like a two or three of. I don't love that, but like it does, Mox Opal is an $80 card. Mox Amber is a $30 card. Then, now, so now, it's here's, not a here's, great here's choice totally other another example of when you're brewing decks talking to the value of talking to people who have done a lot of the work for you yeah. before you go in and make and, and make deck building decisions and going into an event when i look at the the choice of cutting a mox opal here do i think mox opal is part of the the powerful shell of the deck not necessarily right i think it's the bubbles i think it's the ancient tombs and then yeah. you have like your eight or emery's if you will to pay that shit off but when i i know from experience that with Tameshi and the limited amount of white sources, Mox you Opal them, is, right? is constantly invaluable because of the fact that it's a white yeah. source. Now, yeah. is that offset by the fact that you have a couple of ancient tombs in the deck where I didn't? It's possible, but I also think that like the value of Mox you, Opal You mean scales. Ancient Den. So, like, ancient Den. Ancient Den, sorry. What did I say? Ancient <laughs> Den. Yeah, Ancient Den. So you have Ancient Den, so you have additional white sources in your, in yeah. your deck. But like the value of white sources, particularly to, to pay off Tameshi, is really important. So Lotus Petal is incredibly important in this deck. Yes. Mox Opal is incredibly important in this deck. More so than what normal 8-cast is, where it's only needs one color so you're only ever really tapping it for blue maybe in your in in, in some people's cases now they'll, they'll tap it for green for haywire might which is really a really minimal splash where temeshi is really part of your engine if yeah. if you're if you're cutting those sources you're you're hindering the power of a new car that you're using to exacerbate the shell if you can just know be aware of that going in that a, a lot of the times you're going to be positioning yourself that urza saga is going to have to get your mox opal out of here similar things to think about when you're thinking yeah. about your play patterns like it's not going to play out necessarily the same way the other the other big changes i made we're like I, I took out city of traders i added in a crystal vein 
which is not like mm-hmm. ideal, obviously. But you know, when you're trying to get that like turn two play or turn or, or like you know the the early play, it does it does something. Yeah, I mean uh, there there is there is still value in the the fact cheating, that it's just it's, cheating. It, a, a yeah, it's just ahead, it's right? just humanity. So so like what I found was when I was playing the City of Traders, which is you know an expensive card, the City of Traders doesn't wasn't necessary. Like yeah, it, there, it's there not needed. Yeah, I, I was like the ancient tombs are necessary. Like I wouldn't I wouldn't have I wouldn't leave home without four of them. Yes, but the City of Traders was just another boost of mana that like was available to me because I own one City of Traders and it was valuable and it worked because the the play pattern of being able to like play a mana crypt and bounce it with Tameshi is like really powerful. So I was like, there's value in that. Whereas Crystal Vein, it won't give you access to that play pattern because you have to sacrifice it. But you know, there's there's other there's other facets. Like the engine was powerful enough that I was like, there's space to maneuver here. Same thing like Odawara Soaring City, like it's really powerful to be able to have additional interaction, additional removal spells in your deck that you can comfortably play out. Like comfortable, like I had, I, I seen in the budget list here, you have two copies. I was playing three copies and yeah. three copies sounds like yeah. a lot. Like three copies I, I one of those it, I moved it down to the bottom. I only played two in my eight cast deck. The difference though, is that like Tameshi changes the numbers a bit because yeah. A, it's still another legend, right? Like the, similar to like size spot yeah. where it was still a legend. But the difference though, is that when you, in an eight, eight cast, when you play out your Odawara, it's there, it stays there. Yep. Whereas exactly. In this yeah, game, that's actually a really game, good point with Tameshi. Yeah, Tameshi can pick up your Odawara after you used it as an early land drop, so it gives you that utility late game yeah. where you can you can that's fearlessly good. throw it in to play, knowing that it's not it's not stuck there. You're not limited on them. You do get to pick it back up later on if you want to, and then not only do you get to pick it up, but then it's also still discounted, yeah. so you get to effectively use your mana again. So another adjustment, if you refresh the page fill, you'll get to see another adjustment I made is I went down one Mox Amber and up one Mox Opal because it's like that's like a 30 uh, a 60 dollar change and it didn't change the cost of the deck that much we're still under a thousand dollars what a uh a fantastic look for moxfield right now where we can make changes to the deck in real time as we're discussing yeah. it well this that's what's great people... about the, the site you know is like we're, we're doing this on the fly live you know able to do this and then and then like the other changes i made were like i removed a tundra which you know blasphemy bummer you had to remove a tundra uh from from your deck to make it budget uh but i no, threw I, in those I, ancient like... dents to like offset that that uh white mana i i have the tundra i was playing tundra literally as a one of and i i could totally see it just being literally any other blue white land you know like yeah. it's not unreasonable the, the tundra's there is you could play just, coast you you actually could yeah. for real though you could because like that that's actually a really good idea in that the deck doesn't often hit past its four lands because Tameshi's picking lands up and urza saga is going away Exactly, so, and the fact yeah. that I'm not the fact that I'm not fetching the tundra also means that Seacrow, like there are the corner cases where like you do have a bunch of lands and it could punish you, and therefore I play the tundra because it's I have a tundra and therefore I can. But like if you don't have a tundra, it would be totally reasonable to just play Seacrow Coast in this build where you're never really getting to four lands too often. Fun because Seacrow Coast is getting reprinted play. too, uh, so you've got you've got this twelve dollar card that will probably become a three dollar card, dude. That that is like when it comes to working on a budget with a deck like that's. Ex- that is the an ideal ideal looking consideration, yeah. right? Like I'm playing the tundra, but I'm not fetching it. So the fact that it's an island is not re- like a like a fetchable land, not relevant. I like, mean, you remember it, back it, when I was playing? Like this was like back when Energy Field uh, Rest in Peace was was a, a part of the Miracle Shell. I played one tundra, and I didn't have the money for another tundra, so I played a Prairie Stream, and it was 
for the most part pretty fine. Yeah, dude, it wasn't and great. Like that... there's there's gonna be times where I get punished because I can't play my turn one Sensei's Divining Top. But like we're not even living in that world anymore, dude. And and here's the thing. So like you putting like when I, I get that we've we've removed force of wills here for this thought experiment and, and something that is in a similar space as to the thought cast idea that you had of putting it back in. This this is where playtesting comes becomes important. Yeah. But a card that I've wanted to use with Tameshi since I started brewing with it was I was like, oh man, maybe Tameshi in a shell like this is finally where Mystic Remora can be powerful oh. because you can put it into play to like uh, effectively and then bounce it so you don't you draw cards. counters yeah that's smart well, you don't you don't pay you you let it just die because the mesh you can just pick oh, it back up and reset the counters so if you want you can just play it and then I if your opponent's not doing that. anything you can deploy while you're playing your zeros with your 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 ancient tombs to like pay for the mana off off offline or whatever to keep it to keep it going to pay for the cumulative upkeep for we a couple it. turns it's in the deck have I them took out add one, a bunch of one other ancient den it's in the deck now like have them give you a bunch of cards additionally which you're going to be able to play out those cards because you're the 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 you know you have 20 zero drops in your deck and then like if it goes away you just get to rebuy it with Tameshi and do it again and now reload and now anytime they're one for one in you it's fucking great right just another example of yeah. the space that opens up that otherwise regular eight casts wouldn't have had but but that is possible because the shell remains intact like the only cards that i would look at to change are the cards outside of the shell that the shell is enabling not changing any of the cards on the shell i would never look to change the baubles i would never look to remove the ancient tombs i wouldn't touch the urza sagas i would change any of the pieces that urza saga is getting i would change some of the interaction pieces i would change some of the payoffs that are you're getting such as uh thoughtcast versus mystic remora but uh you know the repeals can be sourced to plowshares if you wanted but the 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 actual shell itself that's staying intact and because that is intact that is a legacy viable powerful shell that will give you wins just because it's good the yeah. other stuff on top it, like it'll it'll work in different in different matchups but the shell remains and this is and it's under a k you know yeah i'm at 58 cards on the uh budget eight cast list right now and i'm trying to figure out like what what would i add if i took out the force of negations for this for this list and and um, this is a good starting point and this is a an example of even if you don't have all of the tools that would make it optimized be beyond the fact that like you know th there's options like you know your C chrome coast could be a tundra etc etc like yeah. aside from those minimal things like i think the four mox opal would actually make a significant difference right like that actually would up the power level of the deck of just being able to have faster starts and it's like if it's just out of range it's also good to know that those tools within the shell are the next pieces to get once you do have the budget so once you've established and and committed to getting a shell like this the additional tools on that that's where like like those are the first things to move towards as opposed to like the Seacrone Coast versus a Tundra, that's really negligible. But having four Mox Opal versus two Mox Opal, that's noticeable. And yeah. it, it's it's helpful to know where to prioritize advancing the deck once you actually do save up. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll work on the uh, the eight cast version. Uh, the, the You know, the non, the I have I have Tameshis in there right now, but I think I'm going to take out Tameshis and make the more traditional eight cast version. That's that's like a budget list as well. And I'm going to post that too. But I think, mm -hmm. I think this was a great thought experiment where we get to see exactly like how building on a budget kind of works and it always helps like obviously always helps to have somebody else to bounce these ideas off of while you're doing it and the, i mean the, the, this was a perfect example of, of how uh this should work and i think the episode and, works well because of that and I, I i would i would suggest that anytime if anybody ever shows you a deck like if you're if you if you're go if you go to your moxfield account and you share a deck list with somebody and you, somebody's going to look at the deck and then immediately try and tell you what doesn't read well to them they're going to go oh this doesn't i don't this doesn't make sense to me right and and then even if you explain it, if they haven't actually played with it, they're not necessarily going to see eye to eye on the choice yeah. that you're making. But what can be helpful in those situations is as long as the, the conversation is revolving, or as long as both people 
having the discussion about trying to improve it into a deck and bounce ideas off each other. As long as we both have a mutual foundation as an understanding of what the legacy power level thing in the deck is, then the other stuff on top, then we can start talking about how those interact with different matchups and how we care about certain matchups that, you know, you may prioritize another matchup over one that I do. And so therefore we have different ideas on what would be good in this slot. But yeah. like, as long as we have a mutual understanding as to what the foundation and engine point of the deck is that shouldn't change, then we get to go, okay, if, if you make a suggestion and I go, well, that doesn't read to me. You can go, well, I'm thinking about it this way because of the fact that the deck works like this, which is the engine. This works well with that engine and pays it off against these matchups. And having that kind of conversation about a particular card is a, a much better way. It's big brain in, magic in my experience, stuff. Yeah. It's, in, my, in my experience, it's a much better way to like isolate the power level of a card in a deck than just being like, this is just better. This is the better card. And yeah, it's like, that doesn't course. mean anything. Well, what, it's all, it's all why, about why putting it better, into context, you know? of course. It's all about context. And the context is that foundation of the deck. And if you yeah. can look at any deck, whether it's A-Cast, whether it's Miracles, whether it's Four Color Control, whether it's Delver, you can look at any of those cards, decks, and say, what is the powerful thing going on here? And how can we exploit that with our top end off the shell? That's where we can you can optimize things. It's like awesome. in a Delver deck, if somebody recommends a three drop, you go, why would you, why? Why would you ever play a three drop in your deck that is the whole point is to exacerbate the fact that Days and Wasteland are broken, right? We want to be playing everything underneath Days and Wasteland. So anything that can chunk to chunk them on the cheap while they're still trying to develop, right? Like anytime a deck gets out of development, they're going to be better against Delver, right? And the whole reason that expressive iteration is getting so much attention is that normally you would beat Delver by surviving development. If you can survive yeah, the early exactly. game and develop, you would beat Delver. And the whole reason that everybody's on expressive iteration's dick about being too powerful is because it gives Delver access to beat you even after you've developed. And that is that feels obnoxious because it's different from what you know any other time that Delver's been powerful. Similar to Renin Six. When Renin Six was around, Delver could still beat you after you've developed. And that felt bad. But like yeah. that that whole thing is like the whole point of Delver is to mess you up in development. And if you have a card that doesn't either uh, offset the disadvantage the way that Ren and Six and EI do, which is be able to beat you after you developed, or further beat you up in development, then why are we even talking about it? And that's that's what I mean, right? So it's like, in my mind, if somebody's like, well, why don't we play Maddening Hex in the main? It's like, well, against certain matchups, that's going to be, that that makes sense to me. Once they've developed and then they want to start interacting with you, they're going to get punished for that. That makes sense. If somebody's like, why don't we play Court of Cunning? I'd be like, what are you talking about? Why would we ever want to be in that space? You know what I mean? Similar, if somebody plays, like, we, we want to play Stifle. That makes sense. Right, I want to stop you in development. That I works love with the play. shell that I we're mean, I love about. to play stifle. Yeah, of you course. Know what I'm talking about? So, yeah, a good spot to call it. Um, again, please like and subscribe. Tell us what your favorite budget decks are, because I, I right now this is something I think that Phil and I are kind of hot on, and uh, it's a great way for to one get people into the format, and two to like kind of expand on the number of decks you own. So, if if you have like a, a suggestion for like a budget list, or if you have a budget list that you want to share, even better, type below. You can hit us up on Discord. The Discord's below. Again, you and France will be getting cards uh, coming up and I actually am still waiting on a uh, a uh, address from uh, the guy who won last week. If that person does not uh, hit us up, I will put his card into next week's episode as well. And then what else? What's the other thing I'm missing here? Moxfield. Check it out. Check out Moxfield and merch. Buy our merch. Buy our merch. With the Buy things. our merch. The Patreon. The one do, the the one Patreon. do merch. Do Get the side events and boss merch. Get the Eternal Dirtle shirt. You know, it's all it's all there. You get Eternal Dirtle's dog, dog play mat for like your dog's do the, food. Do the stuff. Come on. 
on, do man. all the things with the stuff. Do yeah. the stuff, buy the stuff, and support the stuff. And Patreon yeah, I also wanted and... to, the other thing I want to talk about actually is hey, everybody who watched last uh, the last episode, the Unbanned episode, everyone who commented on Reddit, everyone who commented on on our YouTube channel, thanks so much, man. That was awesome. That's been our best episode so far, and uh, I love doing that. Like once a year, going back and looking at the the ban list, and it's kind of it's a much different feel than uh, looking at like uh, cards we want banned, right? Like. It's almost a more positive thing, you know? It feels that way, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But anyhow, I think that's it for us this week. Bill, catch you next week. Deuces. Ah, you're a monster. Hi, I'm Force of Phil. I can mill all your cards and still. Cast a drill. Copy it ten times like I'm my silver quill. Shadrix thinks he knows me. Elder dragons get so lonely. All his high fantasy show me whimsical ways that we're homies. But he hasn't found out that there's a bounty around. All of the ink that's abound. If I jab a pin in his mouth and then I let him bleed out and wear his skin like a crown. Period to the abyss of the monarchy that's now bound into my arteries. Part of me feels like a cross between artistry and a plot to peel strawberries. Fruits of my labor are honestly harboring hate for the modesty. I inflate as a posture. Like I'm not a shapeshifter, imposter, and evil who's obviously a monster. We're like evil twins cause we only copy monsters guns are fucking dumb but you're still up in our crosshairs we don't miss our triggers like some chalice playing fraudsters they're not in our league while we're winning they all drop it send us to the pros where we gobble up some sponsors copy it they close on zd becomes a cosplayer cozied up in robes that can only fit us monsters call us monsters if i'm fisher i'm boggling if i'm ursa i'm cobbling if i'm carnop and wishing it's there and bridge that be stopping them look like emily i'm locking them in the red zone they hide Echoing eons of arrows, whip on the dead sacred crackle, secret lair them like cake, baked on a vampire steak, flaked with the blood of a dragon that's been bleeding for days, encased in the sense of a library, exchange our hopes with anxiety, then cut the throat like you're violently trying to boast a new dynasty as a monster. Song. We're like evil twins, cause we only copy monsters. Guns are fucking dumb, but you still up in our crosshair. We don't miss our triggers like them challenge playing fraudsters. They're not in our league while we're winning, they all drop there. Send us to the pros where we gobble up them sponsors. Copy and they close on ZD becomes a cosplayer Cozied up in robes that can only fit us monsters Call us monsters I'm like dog my son so you can all not call me Crick I'll correct your face as if a melish Norning gifts I'm given to the living Swimming in stormy conditions for a distance That if you counted in minutes time would have to walk to finish And run the risk of slipping on the sticky liquid Exhibited in their ribs and requisite a physician To extinguish their injured position With exquisite stitches sifting lipids Through many incisions pitted in divots And slither wispy fringes between ligaments Squishing blistered withered bits of ren and six In a syringe and pins of the stiffness of a strict That stripped and nipped or twitched the tree of perdition And the algorithmic indifference of tennis Quandrics who wanted Shadrach to listen to his opinion that his lack of precision was the linguistic equivalent of the desperate Vavamachian fiction written in hieroglyphic inscriptions by a strange and vicious villain twisted as a wiki tricking, sickening, sadistic monster. Slaughtering your alma mater, valedictorian charters, an auditorium of otters and lobsters bothered by trauma, cauterized by the gore of their fathers who dropped them for a whore and a dollar who's glorified only as a monster. Killers killing it, willing and chilling a billion civilians and grilling their children like chicken that's thickened with fixings and mixed them with pickles. And skittles and skittles from nibble and quibble and lick up the drizzle of simple yet sinful spittle that trickles from the tip of his shrivel and shriveled bristles that signal your skin to frill and prickle like a visceral monster. We're like evil twins because we only copy monsters. Guns are fucking dumb, but you're still up in our crosshairs. We don't miss our triggers like the chalice played fraudsters. They're not in our league while we win and they all drop this. Send us to the pros where we gobble up the sponsors. Copy and they close on ZD becomes a cosplay. Posied up in robes that can only fit us monsters. Call us monsters.